Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hello, welcome to the Junk Time Alpha Podcast for Round 6, 2023. We're coming to you from Wayne Jackson Studios. My name is Michael Chamberlain and joining me is a man who has been sacked once again, this time as Harry Mackay's kicking coach. It is Adam Rosenbachs. G'day, Michael. G'day, Junk Timers. Yes, we come to you off the back of Anzac Day on the Wednesday after the two massive games that we saw... Uh so, uh, well, I was going to say, commemorating the Anzacs, and uh, we'll get to that shortly. But once again, I've lost yet another job, and I was pretty chuffed to be, you know, down at being asked to come down to Carlton. Yeah, oh, Rosie, we know you're fucking, you're a bit of a sharp shooter. You are. You're the, um, you. you're the Eddie Betts of the podcast game. I, I am. They said, come on down, and we we need you to to help us out to straighten us up. I mean, not many people know this, but I was the man who, as a youngster, uh, spent a lot of time in Ballarat with Tony Lockett. Mm-hmm. And people forget that, you know. Yep. I grew up in Queensland with Jason Dunstall. Yep. People don't know that. <laughs> I, I keep it to myself. I don't need yep. people to hear about that. For sure, you know? for sure. You were big in the 30s. Bob Pratt, you kind of helped him through. Yeah, absolutely. Pratty, Coleman. I was there with Coleman. I said, mate, just fucking kick him through the two big wide things, big fella. And he did. <laughs> so I knew all that sort of stuff. So ipso facto that's why Carlton got me down there and I just say to Harry I said mate what are you doing he's trying these drop punts yep and they're skewing left and right mm. and I said and then he's going with these hook kicks around the body I said mate you never go around the body you do what I say you walk so you make it look so you take the mark you clunk the mark clunk. right you put the big jukes up yep. you clunk it now as you turn you now immediately as I say with any young goal kicker Turn your back to goals. Do not look Perfect. at anyone else who might be in a better position. Perfect. Perfect. If you're on angle, always turn your back. Walk back with turn confidence back. to make the kick as yeah. difficult as possible. And also make sure that yeah. all of your teammates are manned up mm. in that little short walk towards the boundary. Yeah, that's right. And if there are people who, you know, maybe have been free, they're not going to be free. And that means that you have to have the shot at goal yep. by yourself. You've got to take it. You know, on your shoulders. This is a one. This is your forward line. You've got to own it. Uh-huh. Do not. None of this, mate. If there's a mate who's in what you would call, other people would call Joe the Goose. I say, don't give it to them. <laughs> I say, make it a really hard over the fucking shoulder kick for yourself, yep. rather than giving an easy handball. Mm-hmm. Because you know what, no one likes is an easy path in life. No, Michael. awful. I actually am surprised the number of mm-hmm. times that players have give have been given the Joe the Goose. And then yeah. have and not then actually and not actually handballed it back over the top and go no, <laughs> yeah, I, re- I, re- yeah. I reject this Joe the Goose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, give back the Joe the Goose because I don't want this yeah. cheap, dirty stat that's going to just fucking help someone's super coach team. Well, because you know, you remember when you were younger and you'd see a Joe the Goose and you're like, you'd be asking as a child, innocently, before you knew what Joe the Goose was, you'd be asking around, going, "Do I write that down in the record, Mum and Dad? <laughs> like, is that a real goal? Because it just seemed." Like that cheap fucking forward running motherfucker 
has just gotten himself an easy, and I wouldn't even call it a goal. We'll get back to Harry Mackay's kicking woes in a moment, but can we talk about the origins of Joe the Goose? Like, who who was Joe the Goose? How did Joe the Goose come about? Like, I've, I've just come off a comedy festival show doing a story about mm. the, the history of Australian rules. Yep. I, I read a number of books. I scoured the internet. At no stage did any was there any articles from the 1910s talking about the uh, a player called Joe the Goose. I'm trying to work out the origins of that. Well, I'm assuming that it was, and I think we, I think we did work this out on the podcast many years ago that it was loose. You Joe the Goose, you loose. Okay, I'm going to type it into Google right now. Joe the Goose. Okay, wow, I wonder what this is going to bring you up. Is this sort of like, was there a, a, a Nazi who used to like the goose step called Joe? Uh, Joe the Goose. Australian rules, football. A goal scored mm. by a player who received a handball in the goal square and is without an opponent close to them. Often said disparagingly, as they are considered by many to be simple goals to score. <laughs> and actually, it's purely an Australian rules term, actually. All the, th- all the references here for Joe the Goose are... Australian rules references. Well, I mean, our, our game was built around getting an easy handball in the goal square. I mean, Tom Wills, when what did they? What did you say they scored in the first game? Two goals, I think. Both of them would show the gooses, even, even though they were days apart. They would show the gooses. <laughs> anyway, Harry McKay. So he's got the yips. He's got the yips. It's in his head now. Mate, it's well and truly in his head. So, as I said, uh, when you clunk a, when you get the big jukes up and you clunk a mark, turn your back to everyone, turn your back to goals, and here's where you're going to trick everyone. This is what I said to him to do, is to toss the ball up, back still to goal, and then scissor kick it over your head. Ah, yep. Because not only are you a good chance to kick a goal, because they are very accurate ways of kicking, yep. but you're also putting yourself up for goal of the year every time you have a <laughs> shot at goal. And he hasn't gone with that. He's gone with his stupid round the corners. He's gone with um, uh, the drop punts that never hit the target. And you can tell, like, it's amazing when you see someone get the yips because they want to fucking just, they want to dish the ball off. He does not want to take shots at goal. And what is really great as a Carlton supporter is the fact that we've signed him up to 2030. So we've got seven more years of watching him mentally melt down as the ball lands in his hand and the umpire pays him a mark and he sees those fucking sticks and he goes, oh, I can't do this. It actually is a very interesting thing by the fact that you, you have had players over the journey, or not you, you know, I'm not saying Carlton, but like players over the journey yep. who d- definitely do have the yips and how you can actually kind of try and break them out of that. Also by the fact, I think we mentioned last week, by the... Um, the, the fitness people, like, don't want them having multiple shots at goal. Like, don't want them doing 50, yes. 100 after training or whatever. So, try actually kind of... I actually would be genuinely fascinated if he's at a sports psych, like, nowadays, trying to get that out of his head. But then on top of that, if you go to a sports psych for the for the yips, oh. then you go, well, fuck, I'm, I'm at a sports psych for the yips. Whenever you get the ball, yeah. it's fucking in my head again. Like, how do you cure that problem? Yes, it, it's like a vicious circle, isn't it? Because it's a sports psych talking in your head going, hey, remember to breathe because you got the fucking yips, well, that's mate. Also, and also, like, it's funny, like, the idea of a sports psych. It probably, you know, has gone through maybe various degrees, maybe even have a PhD. And then they're yep. sitting in front of a player going, talk about the yips. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I, I wanted yeah. to talk about something a bit deeper about here, mate. Yeah. Imagine you're going to uh, – I, I think that was one of the lesser read um, – 
chapters in Freud's uh, <laughs> masters. <laughs> when he got yips. to the yips and he goes, oh, that that's because you're in love with your mum, mate. And you're like, whoa, whoa. I fucking what? He goes, oh, mate, you want to have sex with your mum. You're thinking about that as you're coming in for goal and then you spray it off to the left and you're like, oh. Dude, you look at it. sexy when I was younger. You're looking at two goalposts. That's a metaphor for two enormous penises right there. <laughs> yeah, you, you fucking, it's in your head, buddy. You've got the yips. You know what? Because uh, probably the most recent, um, I suppose, proponent of the yips would have been, I guess, in our sort of in the you know the last ten years would have been Travis Cloak. Uh, so yep. it was a thumping kick, but you know you couldn't always rely on him. Yep. But here's the thing, that the crowd of the opposition mm. don't really get in their head. Like that would be a great time to start going yip 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 yip. Like if you reminded this player that he's point. got the fucking yips while he's got the yips. Yeah. I mean. Forget booing. You want to get into someone's kitchen. You are right there. Get in the shoebox. I think you'll find. So yeah. the um. So Stevie J. I, I kind of picture Stevie J. as being the, the founding father of the round the corner. Now was that a yep. yip related thing, or was that just Stevie being Stevie? Do you think? Oh, excellent Stevie J. Brain question without notice. Question without notice. Because even in the case of I can remember the 2011 Grand Final when Tom Hawkins like clunked a whole bunch of congested, uh, contested marks in that second half, yep. and then he kind of had half a a half of yips by the fact he kept on he, get, he kept on getting the marks, but then he kept on missing. And so there was literally that one goal where Stevie J. essentially was like, "Give the fucking ball oh, to me, right. and I'm going to kick it." Yes, he was. Standing right next to him. Yeah. yeah, look, I would imagine with Stevie J, it just would have been uh, probably, because I, I remember Stevie J as being quite a good kick, but I imagine it was probably just a comfort thing where he just goes, you know what, this is 100%, whereas a drop punt might be 80, so I'll just do that. But Harry Mackay, so he kicked one, so you wouldn't have seen the game against St Kilda, which Carlton lost terribly. Uh, he had a shot from his favoured pocket, and he did the round the corner, he hit the post. Okay. Then St Kilda kicked out, and H marked that. So he had e- the exact same attempt from almost an identical spot. And he rushed it so quickly that he almost, and it's not a joke, almost hit the roof at Marvel. He f- um, shanked it so badly. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, all I'm hearing is the mm. wheels have fallen off at Carlton. You're now eighth, okay? You, ha- you started promisingly. Got off to a great start yes. with a draw. <laughs> and you're looking see, up. I, see, and the Carlton fans have been up and about. They have been up and about for a fair while have now. They, have they? See, as a, I reckon you ask a true Carlton fan, a true someone who was there in 2013 when we hadn't scored a goal against Fremantle at Marvel. I don't reckon they ever thought the wheels were on. <laughs> oh, no. You know, no, like no, the no, fact no, that we no, didn't no. make I'll the finals there. last year. There's been year. a lot of bluster from the Carlton fans. We're BIT. We're back in town. A lot of talk. Now we've got to round six. What are you? Three and three and a half. So you're 14 points. Yes. So you're bottom of the eight. Okay. Now, yeah. is it time to possibly sack the coach? It, it, I, yeah, I, 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 long, I long for the John Elliott days. <laughs> I, I think I think we have kind of reached that point, you know. Like David Teague lasted just on two seasons, and mm-hmm. that was awkward. So I reckon, you know, the, the one thing that a Carlton are good at is if they are going to sack the coach now, that everyone would accept it and be like, "Oh yeah, they've decided to move on." So let's let's just pull the bandaid off and get on with it. I actually have generally forgotten that David Teague was the coach. Actually, that is quite remarkable how quickly I forgot that. And actually, there was I can't well, ever forget that. Was I reading today about Brendan Bolton being coach of Carlton? I was like, oh, dude, I actually f- even forgot that. Like, wow, you've gone through a lot, All haven't right, you? Well, 
Uh, all right, mate. Yes, we have, but, but you haven't lived the experiences that I've lived. So, uh, so did you go to the Blues game? Uh, no, it was my uh, final comedy festival show, and I was a bit touch and go with my voice, and I was like, if I go to that game, yeah. and I know that, and you just know with the Ross Lyon game, if you can't get through his. Um, uh, what the squeezing of the ground, if you want to call it, I won't call it a flood because I don't. It's not a complete flood, but just the way they manufacture it. If you can't get through that, it is so frustrating to watch. And it was at home. I had to turn it off. Okay. That you just go. Oh, I'm just going to lose my voice, screaming my fucking head off at the at the ground. Yeah, sure, sure. I actually get to go this weekend. I haven't gone yet. I've been in Melbourne the whole time. And I actually get to go. I actually am genuinely excited. So, And are you going to go to a decent game? Well, it'll be Hawthorne Bulldogs, so the traditional football time of 4.35 on Saturday um, eve afternoon. But uh, okay. actually, I actually went so far in that I actually looked up Marble Stadium's menu before and looking at the <laughs> gluten-free options. <laughs> and so I can, yep, yep. I can get a uh, gluten-free sandwich herb flavour, which I don't really know what that means. I can get a ch- That's very vague, isn't it? Yeah, I can get a chicken burrito bowl. Uh, get a gluten-free okay. pie, get gluten-free frothy. Um, but I actually no. generally actually very excited. And I think I get to go, I think Melbourne plays Hawthorne around nine, I think, on the Saturday. So I have a day off then too as well. So I'm trying to bank as many as I can while I'm I'm down here. But I'm actually generally uh, excited to go. And are you? what are your thoughts on uh, Hawthorne? Before we go on, because, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Saints in a second, how kind of, Good they were, I thought, on the weekend. Mm-hmm. But what are your thoughts on Hawthorne? Are you just resigned to? Were you? Did you want them to beat Adelaide on the weekend? So they were about thirteen points up, I think, with a couple of minutes to yeah, go. Yeah, And kind of threw it away. Are you? Is that your favourite kind of loss this season? No, look, I want them to win. I remember Clarko saying back in the dark days when he took over back in 05, Yep. That he was like, "We're not, we're not tanking." Like even though we finished like you know maybe percent, we never got a spoon in those first couple of years under Clarko, but we finished low. Um, yep. And his take is like, you want to teach them to win. So I, yep. I want them to get the wins, even though you kind of, you know, you know, you'll move up the ladder and whatever the the second coming of Christ is apparently going to be the number one pick this year. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you want to teach people how to win. And also they need to learn how to win as well. So when they get to that yep. final three minutes, they go, this is what we do. We move people here, there, there, there. And that's how we win the game. So we've had what, what a tight one against the Giants, tight one against... Um, Adelaide. Um, but yeah, you want to get a winning culture in there. Because, mate, as my old footy coach at St. Mary's we used to tell us, hey, uh, best first year player, 1998, if I remember correctly. 1999, I think. Uh, winner's piss. Mate, it's your story. Winner's piss tastes better than loser's piss. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is a new one. That is a new one. <laughs> Uh, so, but you went. On you know what I'd like. You know what I'd like to do though. Uh-huh. Uh, we get. I'd like to get that coach, and I'd like to do. Remember those? They used to do it with Pepsi and Coke, the blind taste oh, test. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Taste you know, winners, we, we got, and losers. We, yeah, we got two uh, um, sample beakers here, and he's holding them. He goes, yeah. "Fuck, they're warm." They're like, "Mate, they are fresh." Uh-huh. We just went into each club room, and you don't know which one is which. But you have a little bit of a sip and you tell me which one was a joyful fucking piss. That's what I want to hear on like, you know when they do like the preamble for the grand final, like they build up the guy that grab <laughs> September, yeah. September, it's the greatest yeah. month of the world. It's just like, it's just work that into an AFL promise. It's just like, winner's piss tastes better <laughs> than loser's piss. <laughs> How is that not a lyric in a Mike Brady song? <laughs> You know, you got the foam coming out of the top of the cup. Oh. 
it's just a great image. It's just great. Hey, before we uh, roll on with the show, we just uh, want to thank all the junk timers and everyone who came along uh, to our shows during the comedy festival. Massively appreciated. So great to see so many faces, and um, yeah, it was really fun. It was very kind of you all, actually. I actually got my mum and dad. I, mum and dad came actually on um, Satava to my one, and I. Yeah, you spoke about it in the last uh, podcast. How your dad is not the most cluey person when it comes to watching that kind of thing. Or following a narrative, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they came yes. on, actually. It worked a treat by the fact that um, there was actually a couple of stories I cut out, which I could tell them by the fact, you know, they're there, and so therefore people, like, laugh more. But, um, but um, yeah, no, actually, and it was genuinely, like, a, sh- a show he actually completely understood. Um, but I didn't get any notes afterwards, actually, which I was happy about, by the fact he didn't. There, were no, there were no corrections, and so my fact-checking was, you know, up to scratch, I think. Could you see your parents? Uh, I could, yeah, by the fact that it's, still, it's 4 p.m., so there's still a bit of daylight in the room. Um, yeah. There was a guy who looked like Max Gorn. Um, okay. And uh, and there was a few junk timers. And, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was happening, man. It was a happening. <laughs> you know, my mum has never seen me do stand-up. That I was about, actually, about to ask. Cause you said your dad came to your show. but Yeah, Tommy didn't. came along. Yeah. But no. And is that like... You, doesn't want to or you kind of go not for you are are you like a don't swear in front of your parents kind of thing yes yeah no i don't i don't swear in front of mum. so she um i think she's heard me swear only a couple of times and so she doesn't think you don't need to be clever to be swear and i say well you're fucking wrong mum. yeah sure very funny when i'm swearing uh so and also she probably doesn't listen to the junk time afl podcast i haven't asked her (laughs) so (laughs) So, I haven't yeah. seen it with a footbridge, a footbridge stubby holder. Yeah, sure. So when she talks about uh, the Gatorade shower, do you ever correct her? Yep. Or do you? No, I just I, I let that go. Yeah, <laughs> she's never. I've never heard her call the postie a low dog cunt. <laughs> Given the postie a jumper punch. A jumper punch. Yeah, she's she's never given one of those. But um, <laughs> yeah. But again, thank you, Junk Timers. We really love it when you come out, and thanks for supporting us. Hey, uh, so you went on Monday night, actually, and I, I uh, the pregame, I actually really enjoy Monday night. Like, they do it fucking very well, don't they? Yeah, so I had never kind of witnessed it in person, mm. but obviously Tuesday, the Anzac Day clash between Essendon and uh, Collingwood is the big one, the one that they really talk up. But I've got to say, from a visual perspective, mm. being at the MCG, when they turn the big towers off and everyone's just holding their phones up and they're walking around yep. with the torch, um, it's... Fucking incredible. Yeah. The MCG looks amazing. And it's just, I think, um, like visually, I just think it's a better moment. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me like when Bray Wyatt would enter in the WWE and uh, pe- they'd turn the lights off and people would hone up their phones and it was like they were the fireflies in the... I'm waiting for you to cut me off right now to kind of... So know. right now you just <laughs> wish that you're on the beaches of Gallipoli. Just go... G- <laughs> Like, if you were in the trenches talking about that, you just go, you know what, I'm going to run up. I'm going to go. I'm going to volunteer. I reckon I could take that bluff. <laughs> I'm 14. I'm going to change my age. Yeah, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to get up well, there. Well, I actually but, uh, I actually win war history. I mean, actually, in, in, in relative terms, compared to your German background and my um, <laughs> Irish background, but, like, the uh, uh, I win by the fact my grandfather was actually at Gallipoli. Um, and your grandfather did horrible <laughs> things. <laughs> But he got there. He got there in August, so he wasn't there on Anzac Day itself. But he got there from August until the retreat in December. Oh, okay, he got there for the easy bit, did he? Yeah, sure. I'm sure it was fucking crazy. Yeah. 
So I just thought, uh, as a, um, a spectacle, I thought that Monday looked uh, better just because it was at night and it just it was just eerie. It was fucking great. It was a really good job. Yep, yep. And so you went to the Melbourne President's Dinner, is that right? Yes, I was there with a friend of the show, Titus O'Reilly, yep. and he had a table and Mick Malloy also had a table, so we were all there and, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It's just fun because... Um, Richmond came out of the blocks and were leading at half time, and Malloy was very happy with himself yep. uh, at half time, and then of course it uh, fell apart, which was great. Now, am I right? But it's so lovely to be. I, I love being in the president's function. It's just, it's just good to be with rank and file, you know, uh, Melbourne supporters, Michael. I do love it that you do kind of. I'm the fucking private school bloke, <laughs> but like you're the one who fucking hobnobs. Like I, I, I went to a president's dinner like maybe in 2014, but you seem to yeah. be at one like every fucking second week. Hanging out with Caltonians and shit like that. <laughs> but also, but also like a Melbourne president's dinner, I imagine, yeah, there's there's got to be an entry level kind of, I earn two mil a year to kind of go in there, surely. You know what, though? This one was kind of, and I don't know why, but it was a little bit more low key. Like the um, uh, dress code was just smart casual. So it wasn't even suit and tie. Mm-hmm. So it was actually a little bit like, hey, it's a Monday night. We're going out there. You know, we're uh, celebrating. Uh, the Anzacs, and it was just a little bit more low-key than the ones I've been to before, which I have been to ones which are particularly stuffy and everyone's in a suit and you're sure. just like, oh, it's like um, so fucking uncomfortable at the footy. It's like top and tail. So essentially like, yes. so Monday yes, night was yes. more like, Monday night, usually the Melbourne Prison Center is like kind of like when Leonardo DiCaprio on the Titanic has like the formal dinner in first class. And then Monday yep. night was more like they were doing the Irish dancing below deck. Okay. Uh, Look, I I would love to help you out with your Titanic analogy. Have you never seen I've that not film? Seen it, dude. I've not seen that film. Have you? Ne- that, you God, dude, you got to watch that. Like, I get, I get your fucking. I don't watch Harry Potter and Star Wars because I'm an adult. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay, sure, fine. But like, it's actually difficult to avoid Titanic. It just, it just didn't. It felt like a, a weird date movie, and it wasn't. You know what? I watched the um. I watched the trailer to it recently. I can't remember why I came about it, but I was like, oh, maybe I should have a look at the trailer. And I didn't realise that there's like a villain on there and there's, um, sorry to spoilers, but there's like a shootout and stuff and there's a bit going on on the boat. Yeah, sure. And there's like a Death Star. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and it's like, uh, there's like a section in Hogwarts. Like you'd, you'd really enjoy it. It's just, it's not one of those films for me, man. I don't need to see a boat go down. Um, now, uh, Am I right that given your adventures in um, Iraq and Afghanistan, um, going to do comedy there, am I right that you're allowed Mm. to march in the Anzac Day? I am 100% allowed to march. Yes, that is right. That is my, that is uh, uh, one of the things that came out of me being a part of the, uh, because there's an arm called the Forces Entertainment Mm -hmm. and I was in that battalion, if you will. And so I'm allowed to march. Have you ever taken... Would I? Have you ever taken anyone? Has well, I, I imagine you haven't taken up on that. But has anyone else no. taken up on that? Like, yeah, yeah, a lot of people, uh, particularly in Sydney, have, and I think a fair few of the band members, because you know, um, I think particularly around the Vietnam War, it actually became quite a thing that you know these people would go over there, and then they would be yeah. like, "Yeah, we're really proud to have served over there." Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not doing it because I'm not proud. I would just be embarrassed for myself to be like, "Hey." I don't belong with these people, you know. Well, I, I went over and I helped them out, but I certainly don't. I'm not at their level, and I don't think I am. But I actually think that might be part of the point by the fact that I reckon, like, I actually 
kind of go, yeah, the band members, like, you know, people have done proper time and the like, and, you know, yeah. and, and back in the day also, like, providing proper entertainment where, you know, nowadays I imagine if you're on a base, though, you have the internet, therefore you're not, you know, like, completely oblivious. and Oh, slumming it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, but I feel like there's a bit of a, if the comedian shows up, it's like, yeah, told 25 dick jokes in Afghanistan, in Kabul, uh, you know, really proud of myself, like, kind of a bit of, like, not quite on the same level, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think there is a little bit of that. You know, comedians are very self-deprecating, so you know, most of them won't put themselves forward for that kind of stuff. But the people that you, uh, you go over to, like the ones who are serving, they are super appreciative that you've made that effort yep. to go over there. Yep. Like, you, you, you certainly get a sense of that when you're there, that they're like, because they're there for like 10 months of the year, and the ones in the, in the war zones... Um, they're stuck on the base, basically. You, you, you can't just go out and go to a, you know, leave the base and go to high point. Yep. Like you are stuck on the base and everything the base offers and you work your shift and then all you got to do is fucking watch movies or play PlayStation or go to the gym because that's why they're all jacked and there's nothing else to do. Yeah, gotcha. How big would a base be? Like, can you kind of comparatively, like, put it in a football ground perspective. Like, how big would a base be? Uh, it would be... B. So, say you got the MCG, probably like about mm, like ten to fifteen MCGs. So you're looking at because um, most of them are air force bases. Mm-hmm. So where we were in in Kabul, you're on the um, uh, Kabul International Airport. It was called Kaya, and then actually the base that we we're on in Iraq was called Taji, which was Saddam Hussein's old base, and the, that's where the Republican Guard were based and so there's like a you know a couple of couple of runways there and then where all his troops would have been based and th- we, we we got to go out to like the old um uh tank graveyard so all the tanks that oh. saddam used during the war that got uh blown apart they parked them all there and we got to climb over those and jump in them and it was pretty it was like sort of exciting and then you're like oh, i reckon a fair few people died in these yeah sure sure pour yeah. one out for them um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and do you are you kind of on edge when you're there? Uh, yes, in in Afghanistan, hundred percent on edge. So when you arrive, uh, they say to you, so the the base is particularly in Kandahar and Kabul, surrounded by mountains, and so they will explain to you, you know, there's rocket attacks on the base. The Taliban fire rockets in from the mountains all the time, and when that happens, an alarm will sound and they say, you've got eight seconds to either get on the ground or get yourself into a bomb shelter, which are everywhere, these big concrete sort of structures. But they say to you, if you're on the ground and you haven't got yourself in a bomb shelter, make sure your feet are facing the mountains, right? And you're kind of like, oh, I wonder why they want that. And then you work it out. It's because they want your feet blown off and not your head. Oh, God. Yeah. So you can see like all the pock marks on the on the bomb shelters and around the kind of T, they're called T walls. These uh, concrete walls they have everywhere. They're just pock marks from where rockets have come in, landed and sent the shrapnel upwards. Yeah, gotcha. So you're very, very aware. And I think I've told this story on the on the show before, but when we were in Kabul, after I'd finished my spot at the uh, at the Kaya base, uh, there was a rocket attack after I'd finished up. Yeah. So I was standing at the back. And there was a band on and then the music cut out and I was like, oh, you know, third world country, probably uh, electricity's dropped out. And then everyone just started screaming rocket attack. And so everyone hit the ground. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, maybe everyone doesn't hit the ground. You know, it's just something they tell civilians yeah, to yeah. spook us. 
And then I saw the SAS hit the ground. I'm like, oh, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will lie, lie on the ground. And so you're lying on the ground just thinking you're going to die. Like that was going through my head. It was just like, you're going to fucking die, mate. Yeah. Here we go. That is so. quite fascinating if you're a performer and literally... Mate. You can't... I mean, I mean, performers take everything personally, but it's like <laughs> our music sucks so much that the Taliban yeah, yeah. tried to bomb us to make us stop Well, playing. I used to talk... Uh, it was a joke in my stand-up. It was like, oh, it's good to know that the... Um, uh, Taliban hate Alanis Morissette too because they were playing. They were playing. You ought to know. <laughs> so they weren't big fans of theirs. But mate, that mate, the adrenaline after that. So that was fucking. It was like proper terror, properly terrifying. Yep. Like, and you know how they say uh, when you have your life flash before your eyes, yep. like when you think you're about to die. Mm-hmm. And all I had in my head was just me berating myself for being there. Just going, you fucking idiot. Yeah, sure. You wanted to be a hero to be over here and look at you. You're about to fucking die. And it was like that that was going to be my last living moments were just me getting stuck into myself. I would have thought it would be like like all these good memories, but all of them weirdly stop at 1995. <laughs> 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 hey, uh, can we talk quickly about Anzac Day? We'll wrap it up shortly. We actually yeah. got no footballers in real life, dudes. Maybe that's the uh, the public holidays adventures. People have gone away for long weekends or something. But we uh, we don't have any footballers in real life. Let's just make up fictional footballers in real life about things we've seen about, like Bob Pratt. I saw Bob Pratt uh, down Did the you? road the other day. <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah. looking good for 132. He does all right. But um, oh, the, okay. Get, let me get your opinion on the bloke yesterday, the Collingwood fan. Okay, so okay. it was Carl Langford, if I remember correctly. Uh, yep. Collingwood fan was about to hand him the ball and then drop it on the ground and then did that fist double f- fist thing like whatever mate They're up yeah. yours yeah yeah, up yours, yeah yeah with the hand the fist and then Kyle actually to his credit kicked the goal and then went back and pointed and was like yeah good on you mate but in my yep. head I, I, is this too far but I reckon that guy mm. should be immediately kicked out of the ground he should be immediately kicked out yeah see. The, so, okay, so the thing I was thinking about it when I first saw it is you don't see it that often because it's very rare that the players need to get the ball back from the crowd now. It either goes out of bounds, in which case they throw it to the umpire, yep. or if it goes through for a goal or a point, a point obviously, then there's another ball there. Yep. So it's very rare they've got to wait on the crowd. Yep. I didn't mind... I didn't mind him dropping the ball. The, the Sticking your fist up to someone. Yeah. Like, imagine... You're at a pub with someone, yeah, yeah, and then they fucking drop their wallet, and you pick it up, and then they go to get it off you, and you just drop it and do the double fist pump. You'd be like, "Mate, I am letting you know that I'm about to glass you. <laughs> like, go fuck yourself." Like, just two adults, or sorry, one adult doing that to another adult, yeah, yeah. and then doing that up yours. You're just like unnecessarily to do that. That is where I drew the line. The dropping the ball, I thought that was kind of funny because you know it's opposition not helping you out. But to go, hey, go fuck yourself at the same time. Yeah, sure, you're sure. Like, Come on, man. I mean, there's a few kind of, cu- uh, they're almost cute moments where, like, the ball boy in, um, like, soccer will throw the ball, yeah. you know, away or something, and it's like, hey, like, and I, th- I feel like that's kind of cute by the fact it's a child, but like when it's like a yeah. grown adult yeah. doing that, it's like, and yes. actually when I watch the footage, I actually watch the footage a couple of times <laughs> because <laughs> so, I was, you, so you could get yourself more outrage. No, just by the fact I was like, I really hope he's not sitting next to a kid, so not their son or daughter. Because I was like, yep. if you're a fucking dad and you did that in front of your child, like, I I, I fear for the future of that child. Like, I was like, and he sat next to adults, so I was like, okay, 
Okay, okay, there are no children there. But you That's were on fucking okay. TV, and I imagine your kids at home watching it going, oh, there's Dad. Hey, there's Dad. Oh, Dad. Look, yeah. Dad's... Oh, oh, Dad. Oh, Dad just... Dad just did that, mate. Oh, dad just it's a, it's a Colin Good it's a Colin Good supporter. Like his kid would have been going, "Is that is that my dad? Is that my real dad? Is that, do you know him, Mum? It's Dad. It's Dad. I didn't know he got released. I didn't know he got released. <laughs> is he on parole? I didn't think his anklet could go into the MCG. <laughs> but there must be because there are people who act like complete and utter fuckwits at the footy mm. who would take their kids and imagine like as a kid. First off, like. Unless you become like the dad, in which case you've just seen the behaviour and thought yeah. that is how people act. There must be kids out there who are like, oh, fuck, dad's kicking off again. Yeah, sure. This is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Dad's already like had seven mid-strengths. And, um, <laughs> and, and I, know, I, know, I know his income. He can't afford that. Um, yeah, I know, where this lo- I know where this goes. I remember seeing a horrible one at the um, – I went to a Melbourne Storm game in Sydney about 2011, I reckon. And uh, who were they playing? West Tigers. And I'd never been to a rugby match. And I wanted to go to like an old suburban ground as well. Yeah. So I went to Leichhardt Stadium. And the storm were coming off. And I heard this bloke. And I kind of was at the, at the what do you call it? The, the race. Players race. Yeah. yeah. They were coming off. They had a pretty comfortable win, I think. And, um, and I heard this bloke over my shoulder kind of like, let's get stuck into him. Let's get stuck into him. And he started going, yeah, effing cheating C's. Yeah, effing cheating C's. Just like screaming for like 30 seconds. Yeah. And then I looked over my shoulder. I was like, whoa. And then I wa- he walked off laughing with his mate. And he had like a five-year-old and a seven-year-old holding his hand. I was like, nah, mate, you don't do that at all. Nah, that's, it's just, yeah. When I, when I, oh, mate, when I was at the uh, football in London, I went and saw, um, uh, Fulham play Birmingham oh, and yeah. it was at Craven Cottage. So it was when um, uh, Muhammad Al-Fayed owned, yeah, yeah. Yeah, owned the team. Yeah. yeah. And so we were in uh, at Craven Cottage and we couldn't get tickets into the Fulham section at the time. Now, we, I was staying in Fulham, which is why we went there. And so we're in there. So we had to stand in the Birmingham section and I've never been more terrified <laughs> at a game of sport <laughs> in my life. And there were these blokes behind me, these massive dudes all in black with big gold uh, chains with a B on them. Uh, yep. And they were calling every time they'd announce the opposition, the Fulham players' names, they would call them cunts. <laughs> and they're standing there with their kids. And you're just like every player. And you're just like, oh, wow. Dude, dude nuts. I remember before I made one, went to an EPL game. I don't remember the teams, but, uh, and he was a neutral, obviously, but like the fans were separated. And the team he was walking with were actually walking in the wrong direction to where he wanted to go to the tube to get home. And so oh, yeah. he said oh, to God. he said to a cop, actually, I need to get onto the other side. And he was like, "Well, you know what you're getting into," and he's like, "Maybe I kind of don't." And then he kind of yeah. walked into the other group of supporters to head, you know, the way he wanted to go. And they were yeah, like, yeah. "Oh, you've just come from that group. You're now in our group. We're gonna fucking bash you." And it's like, dude, Australia, Australian, Australian, <laughs> <laughs> Australian. Fuck it up, dude. Hey, uh, we're going to hit the ride. We are Junk Time Alpha Pod at Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, and the Gram. Go Hawkers. Go Blues.